0: Howdy everybody, Bob Tallman here. Kendra Santos has been the most trusted storyteller and truth teller now for generations of cowboys and cowgirls. Tommy Joe Lucia has worked and learned the rodeo business from every angle for the last 51 years. Listen to me people. Santos and Lucia come at their life's work from the different angles of the rodeo business, which makes for lively discussion and debate. Their voices in rodeo are respected. This is no spin rodeo. No politics, no BS. Listen up, here we go. Thank you,
1: Bobby T. Uh, welcome no spinners to the fourth episode of no spin rodeo I've got to admit this morning I uh, we're doing an early morning podcast because uh, of episode four because Kendra and I are uh, busy people think the fall is a slow year it's actually the busiest time I think for both of us so we're traveling all over we're doing an early one welcome Greg T garden with Piranha productions our producer and I'll be honest I I'm glad I heard Bobby T this morning and a little bit of dead or alive music to get me going. You know, I like that music. I like that, Greg, because it's like the hot song of a show, right? I can see myself pointing to Tallman sitting on the stool saying, let's do this. Just on the record, Kendra, I am not cheerful Tommy Joe this morning. So how are you?
2: I'm, I'm great. And I'll say on um, Bob Tallman, Bob Tallman, I remember the first time I ever heard him and I, I'm a little kid and I go to the rodeo in Lake Comanche, California with my dad and I'm, I've grown up on like Cy Talon, very, you know, monotone. And here's this guy with like knee high buckaroo boots, a bad perm guy from Winnemucca, Nevada. And when we got back in the vehicle to go home. I said to my dad, what was that? And um, Leo Camarillo was one of my dad's best friends forever. And at that time, Bob Tallman lived in a single wide trailer on Leo's place in Lockwood, California. And so I've known him my whole life and it is a thrill. I mean, he's the gold standard, right?
1: He is. You know, I've known, I can't remember not knowing Bob. And I can remember my dad who was, he was a side side fan, right? And, but I remember him saying, this Tolman guy, he's nuts, but he's good. I like him. He'll go places with me in the arena when dad was clowning. And I remember sitting at the trailer and I just remember Tolman's mustache and his high boots, right? And his like flavor for life and you know what's funny is all these years later they still say i can't believe tallman said that
2: (laughs) He, he changed the game
1: he did the game has changed so we start every podcast and i think this is a big one this week so it's going to be a little longer um rodeo news provided by kendra santos
2: well i'm going to kick it off unfortunately um today with with some heartbreaking rodeo family news. Uh, Sydney Arthur was the 22 year old daughter of NFR team rapper Todd Arthur and his wife Donna. And we lost Sydney in a Texas road accident on September 28th. She was also the girlfriend of uh, bull rider Boudreaux Campbell. Um, anyway, just love and heartfelt prayers to Sydney's family and friends. Um, also including her brother, cowboy brother, Forrest Bisher and his wife, Whitley prayers to all the Arthur's. Um, Okay. Now on a different level, it's going to be a shocker to a lot of people in the arena got word a day or two ago that we will not be seeing Barbeck running goat Casey fields at the NFR this year. We've been seeing his name in the top 15, but, but when they deduct the money won at standalone events, because he didn't get to the 40 rodeo minimum for that standalone money to count. He's going to be 16th. And, you know, Casey's 36 years old, but anyone who's counting him out for another gold buckle is not paying attention, but not seeing him at his 14th NFR this year, 15th NFR is like, that's going to be different.
1: Well, I don't want to butt in on news, but this goes back. We had an earlier episode where we talked about this 40, event rule, and Sage played the game, and his his dollars are counting. Casey probably opted to not play that game. I haven't asked Casey about this, but it to not have Casey field there, of course, you know, this thing is ever-changing, but, you know, they really need to, we've said this before, we encourage those that make decisions really need to look at that um, and make sure that this 40 rule thing is still valid so i'm sorry keep going we talked about it i just think it's sad
2: um it's it's pretty tough because every hall of famer i've talked to on this subject from both ends of the arena 100 of them are like if you're so dominant that you can you know make the finals if you're rodeos then more power to you but anyway moving on um Uh, The Governor's Cup in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, delivered the storylines as expected. Um, That much money at the finish line, it it did exactly what we knew it would do. Um, Mason Clements won the bareback riding, but this year's rookie race in that event really showed up. And Keenan Hayes, Cade Sonier, Dean Thompson, they're one, two, three in the rookie race and they're 138 in the world. And, and it was, it was fun for me to see a picture of Jaco Roper with NFR rookies, Dean Thompson, and Jacob Lees from Sioux Falls, Jacob Lees high school rodeoed with my boys in California. And it, I, I think he was a senior. And it came down to our district finals. And he, he had literally not had a score yet. And he got a score at the last rodeo of the you know regular season. Well, he just made his first NFR at the last rodeo of the regular season, so that's that was pretty pretty fun to watch in the steer wrestling at Sioux Falls, I think the world we were all watching Jesse Brown at Pendleton the other day when he he had a scary wreck and got knocked out and he's back and like he was saying, this week, everybody's worried about my head and you know, concussion and stuff. Past football player, of course, but but his knee is obviously banged up. He was limping hard at Sioux Falls, but he got the win. And Tristan Martin gave him hell from back in the pack and almost pulled it off. That was pretty fun watching there. Ended up 16th. Nick Guy fought him off there, and Bridger Anderson closed the deal up in Edmonton. And, and that that kind of stuff was happening in every event. The team roping knife fight is finally over after Sioux Falls. I think the biggest move up there was Clint Summers, who's one of our NFR switchenders, who came from 19th to make it. We're going to have four first-time NFR team ropers. Marcus Terrio, Jake Clay, Colby Payne, Cole Curry just made their first finals. This is going to be fun to watch, too. Marcus has, has a... The past timed event champ, son, of course, of 1994 calf roping world champ Herbert Terrio. Jake Clay has won the BFI, you know, the most prestigious roping in the world. Cole Curry's about to get married on October 14th. So that's going to be a pretty extra, you know, happy vibe there um, on the heels of qualifying for his first finals. And
1: Kendra, I've got a question. Real quick question on team roping. Um, let's clarify it for some of our listeners even for some of us that have been around so you qualify as a header and a healer right and it's interesting to me and maybe you can clarify how it works they don't get in as a team and so how many how many guys are losing a teammate and i assume that the guys that lose a teammate typically pair up good assumption
2: um, there are there are some some mismatches that, that we guys have tentatively decided who they're going to rope with. But, for example, Nelson Wyatt has been in the top five all year. Nelson Wyatt has roped with eight or ten guys this year. And his number one partner, Chase Tryon, didn't make Sioux Falls. So here goes Nelson with a chance to get Ross Ashford in. That didn't happen. But let's see. Jonathan Torres... Is an odd man out on the healing. Peyton Bray is is an odd man out in the healing. So so these you know forever until fairly recent times only fifteen individuals qualified for the NFR in the team roping. Now fifteen headers and fifteen healers. Well, yes, and we do have odd some odd things, and they will have to commit here soon to who they're going to rope with. But people are going to be paired off with people that they haven't roped with before.
1: You know, so they have that. a they have a deadline where they've got to yes. submit to the PRCA yes. who, yes. I want, who uh, it seems to me that probably whoever the uh, how do I put this so if you're a hoss header then you've probably got more options with healers fair statement
2: well if you're a hoss header and you have a hoss head horse the head horses call a lot of the shots in our game today because I mean. The, it's there's a direct correlation between what you're riding amateur winning and the head of horses are like, they're the studs. <laughs> hmm. Another uh, real cool thing, I think, and I think a lot of people think is we have another, it's rare that people have qualified heading in healing for the NFR. And we have another NFR switch ender to add to the list this year in Coulter Todd. Um, everybody loves Coulter Todd. I was covering Coulter Todd years ago. And he was an NFR header and he went home to raise his young family and he pulled up. I mean, in his absolute prime, he's an NFR, you know, young gun, the next big thing. And he's like, well, I have kids. So I went home and and how much did we all respect that? Well, now his kids, his boys are old enough to be running the ranch. And the boys were like, Dad, go, you know, go do it. So there goes Coulter and his best friend, Derek Begay. And they're contenders for a gold buckle this year. And you know, I, I asked my son Taylor at Salinas this year, NFR calf roper, steer roper, who's your favorite header and healer? And he looked at me without pause and he goes, Coulter Todd. Like as a 20-something year old, I mean, he's like, Coulter Todd was like the coolest, nicest. I mean, that guy's a freaking gangster straight off the ranch. And you know, riding whatever a seven-year-old or whatever the guy can do Superman things and he'll never tell you about it. So extra easy to cheer for um, well, Derek
1: and, and Culture. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to step in here, but in case we have some people, because if you use the word switch ender and isolate it, that could create all kinds of thoughts, right? I mean, seriously, we could get into a whole different discussion in our culture today about switch enders. However, a switch hinder means someone that can rope head, a head and a healer, right? He can, we just want to make sure that any of our viewers. He
2: can go both ways. Yeah, again,
1: <laughs> see, be careful because our sound bites on this are going to get us in, in a different whole category of podcasts. Go ahead. Oh, news? Hey,
2: your idea of the perfect dream might be different than Jacob Roper's too. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's too <laughs> early in the morning. Okay. All right. Moving on. Go.
2: Okay governor's cup also, you know, you can't just to hit some high notes, um, Kate Bruno won the bronc riding, uh, Chad Mayfield won the tie down and dedicated that win to his friend, Sydney Arthur. That was, that was cool. Mrs. Midget Shelby boys won the breakaway roping with her husband in her in the corner with her, literally in all aspects of life. She took the world lead. Going into the finals, and along with the regular season record, which is cool, and rodeo stud, who also won a bunch in the bronc riding, Stetson Wright, you know, wins the bull riding, and I'm starting to have a few little comments here and there from people. This happened when Ty Murray was the king. This happened when Trevor Brazil was the king, and every once in a while, I hear somebody say, "Ah, oh, it all—it's always about Stetson." I'm, you know, whatever. And to those people, I roll my eyes. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, we're getting to witness this greatness, like generational greatness. If you're tired yeah. of that, we come can't on, get friends. off it. Yeah, uh, get off so, it. Um, you know, come on. Um, I, I can't get out of news here this week without a mention of Tuff Cooper. The finish line heater, this guy had a backstretch blitz on steroids, like California to Maine. To Edmonton up in Canada, you know, what? what is this saying? When the going get tough, the tough get going or whatever. Tough caught fire. True fashion's daddy, son of super looper. He pulled out all the stops and no one roped tougher on the backstretch. He didn't have Sioux Falls, but tough Cooper, man, you know, fabulous finish. Over the top, congratulations to all the, the entire Cooper family. That was, that was something. And I guarantee you, he had Pops, Roy and Trevor and Cliff and, you know, on speed dial. 33 year old tough looked like 23 year old tough, and good on him. He went for it and he got it then.
1: You mean he made it without, he got in without going to the governor's cup? You mean yeah. that big, ru- <laughs> you mean. You mean that big rodeo, you had someone with the fortitude to go to not say, I'm going to put everything in my rope bag because I didn't qualify with enough points to the governor's. You mean you can win and not go to that major? Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Good. Good for him.
2: He he racked up some frequent flyer miles, and he might have test driven a few different horses, including in Cumberland, Maine. But, I mean, man, he he was dominant down the backstretch.
1: Well, I went to Sioux Falls, uh, pretty city, uh, cool building, um, cool event. I did find out some interesting stuff. Um, Sean Decker, who is the, the president of Rev Entertainment at Globe Life Field. Um, you know, the NFR went to Globe Life Field during COVID, and the Globe Life Field Management Group, which Sean is really cool. He's, I mean, he they, the Texas Rangers are in the or have made it into the playoffs. They clinched it this weekend. Congratulations to the Rangers. But Sean is in charge of Rev Entertainment, which manages all the entertainment in that facility. And this was really, the Governor's Cup was a genesis of his idea. And that is that, uh, you know, he loved rodeo. He loved the NFR when it was there. He They knew it was going back to Vegas, but he just wanted to, he thought that something like the FedEx Cup, um, Suff, you know, something like this with these playoffs is it would be something that would really advance the needle for the sport. And he did come up and speak and spoke at a at a summit we had there, which was good. And uh, so that's good. I went the first night; it was a good event. Uh, talented people there. The pressure on the athletes' faces was, you know, the, the pressure in the room was strong. Winning matters. And winning at the right time matters. Anyway, great concept, cool town, actually cool town. Great little venue um, for the event. Congratulations to my Texas Rangers and to the event up there, Roy Lemel and uh, all the crew up there that put on a good event. That was that was exciting. Now there was, you know, Kendra. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up. You know, there was guys that, you know, that were sitting there on the bottom that got knocked out. And, you know, I think, uh, will that drive them harder or will that break their egg? And that kind of, well, is the, the I, I, I did
2: mention like, you know, Tristan Martin, he came from deep and he almost pulled it off. I think that the bulldogging mathematician was Will Loomis, my understanding. And, and, and he was saying, I don't know if it ended up when they did the final payoff, but he was saying if, if Tristan could win third in the finals, well, guess what? He split third in the finals, but he gave it hell. He ended up 16th, but I mean, he did all he could do. It, it, it looked like, but I mean, for every, we knew this going in for every happy, happy story, there's going to be a heartbreaker.
1: Yeah. As, forever. as it is in sports, that's the way it works yeah. in sports. So great news. Thank you, Kendra. We'll jump into feedback real quick. Remember if you have thoughts, comments, future talking points for Kendra and I, you can text us at 817-668-2395. That's the No Spinners Feedback line. Um, we do have a good group of No Spinners out there. We encourage you, you don't. You, it's not illegal to text twice. And it's also not illegal to text a couple lines or whatever you're thinking, right, um, at the moment. Uh, we love that. You can also email us at nospinfeedback@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And I'm going to bring up one quick one. And I'm not going to go through uh, the no, the whole no spinners email, but essentially it's about, <laughs> it goes, rolls back to judging. And just so you know, we're seeing a lot of no spinner feedback as you would expect to about judging in pro rodeo. We're over it. Okay. Fans, we're, we're done with the judging conversation Well, I'm done with it. Well, I'll see what Kendra has to say because it's a gray area. And, you know, the technology, I think that, Kendra, we should have a a point of view in the future where we talk about technology. I don't want to get into it this morning about replay and stuff. I I will address this one specific email, and I'm going to bring Greg in on this real quick because I think we need to tell the fans this. And, Greg, maybe you can explain it because you've written a timing and scoring system. It confuses the fans when they're watching the event live and they're seeing the screen and – they see the flag drop if a guy's bull and the clock keeps running, right? And can you explain, at least help us, real quick? Because I think this is something we've probably all looked at and thought, "What's going on here?" Can you give us a little explanation about, you know, did did someone
3: stop the clock when the flag went down? Why is that thing still running? So, so the way it works in the the timed events is that when that flag drops, there's two timers that are actually watching that judge. And as soon as that flag drops, they both click a button, which stops the clock. Now, there is obviously human delay in, you know, when they see the flag drop to when they actually press the button. So the system actually takes the average time between the two uh, timers to give you the exact to to give you the time of that run. So and they also do that at the beginning. So they're watching. I don't know if everybody sees the barrier go across the front of the, the time event box and as soon as that flag moves is when the timers start their clock so they click it once and then they could start it at different times now obviously it's like fractions of seconds but that's why they average it out i got you
1: but it runs so it's just a latency that button's getting pushed but by the time it gets through the system to video to your eyes on the screen tens of seconds happen so you think that the clock will stop late but in truth it was stopped
3: well, a lot well, of times, as soon as I you know, saw the flag goes down, right. So, so they click the button, and you sometimes you'll see where the clock will go, maybe a tenth past what the final time is, and that's just the processing of the the machine where it has to, you know, take the time in, do the average, and then output the final time. So that's what you're saying. Gotcha, gotcha. That's why it kind of self corrects there at the very end because it
1: finds the, the in between both fingers, both thumbs of those right. great. Courtney Moorhead was there. Um, it's so the great timers out there. And so we're going to put a button on judges. I'm going to let Kendra, I'm going to, I'm going to start this. I'm going to say a little bit about judges here and then I'm. it's over. I'm done. I'm Kendra. I am officially done talking about judging because here's the deal. Anybody that thinks judges aren't trying to do a great job. I think they're full of shit. Um, those guys are trying to do a great job. The question probably is, do they are they equipped with what they need to to do the best job? That's a question that's valid, I think. Um, and if, you know, all of you people, congratulations, Cowboy Channel, 100 Rodeos in 100 Days. They won an award for that in New York City, a sports award against Netflix, so congratulations, Cowboy Channel. However, when you put all of these rodeos on TV, you really pull back the covers on the sport and you've got all these people that are sitting in their living rooms that don't see it the same way that the guys in the dirt see it. And Here's the deal. If you think you're such a damn good judge, we'll send you a link of how you can apply. Uh, You can go just like those judges and work for not quite as much money as you should get paid and definitely no thanks along the way. But when you make a call or you see it differently than the armchair saddle bronc riders in their living room that yeah i rode saddle broncs when i was 18 in wyoming for 13 months and i'm a judge so i'm gonna say that and i'm gonna end it with a couple things you'll hear me talk about the nfl and the nba and and major league baseball because those are sports that are successful if you look at the nfl i think it's interesting i didn't even realize this they have seven judges Kendra. they have a a referee, an umpire, a line judge, have seven different people on the field and all of them have very specific things that they're looking at. And we'll, we'll talk about this later when we talk about technology, but the frequency that these judges in NFL are, are right. Then they see it right more than they see it wrong when it's reviewed. And we ask our judges, a couple of them in most times to do a lot and see a lot and make a lot of decisions And, you know, if you look at the NFL, they've got seven people on the field helping them get it right. They've made some efforts in judging. They're up to 12 pro officials. They went from eight. They're on one to three year contracts. And the way I understand it, the, the bottom four positions are up for review. I don't know if they, you know, how serious they take it. But the one thing that I don't know if the PRCA does, Kendra, and this is it. This is my last judging thing. But it's something to think about. All of the other sports review the pro officials immediately after a game to see if someone's seeing something wrong on a consistent basis. I don't know if we do this in our sport. I don't know if we have the, the um, resources to do that. But some sort of review process, which may happen, by the way, I'm, I I don't know that it, I haven't asked. But I think that's a good thing, right? If there's a if there's a judge out there that's seeing something wrong on a consistent basis and taking something away from someone who wins, that should be changed. So, Kendra, what say you about judges? And this is your final chance. So, no spinners. You can keep sending us stuff about judging, but we're I'm over it.
2: Okay. Well, I for one thing, there's nothing much more important than deciding who gets the money. Right? So, so what we're after is, you know, a fair level playing field competition where the best man wins. And I do believe that virtually all judges are trying their hardest and are honest people. So I guess my final comment on rodeo judges is that rodeo judges for me are a lot like teachers for me. There should be no tenure to keep the half-hearted ones around agree but the good ones are priceless and should be paid and appreciated as such teachers rodeo that. judges same 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 both are vitally important to our game to the future of our country I'll leave it, it there
1: yeah i love that that is brilliant i like that that's really really good that's good stuff so <clears throat> if you if you want to apply go apply to be a judge and see if you like it all right. So our point of view today on our fourth episode of No Spin Rodeo, um, I think is interesting. And I think it's a good one that kind of bleeds into the Governor's Cup in this final stretch of 2023. The final stretch being those 10 days in the Thomas and Mac. That's the that's the National Finals Rodeo. By the way, that's the Super Bowl of Rodeo. That's where these guys, when we talk about all these stories. That's where they're trying to get. They're trying to get to Las Vegas in December where they can win a record setting money this year and pay off all their bills that they acquired trying to get to Las Vegas. And at the end of the day, getting there's one thing, winning there is another. And so the point of view topic that Kendra and I have talked about, which we think is interesting and kind of crosses platforms in sports, and that is this, what is it Kendra probably has it because she's a journalist. What's your journalistic line for our point of view? And then I'll pick
2: it oh, I don't it know. Winners win. How about that?
1: Winners win. Winners win. So in subpoints of that are why do winners win? And, and you know, I, I vowed that I would never say the L word again because I got plenty of texts. Evidently, there's never any losers. But anyway, Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off. I'm gonna do some quotes that I think are just that mesmerize me about winning from people. And then I'm gonna dive a little bit into the science of winning. And then Kendra, I'm interested in, you know, you've you've talked to the you've talked to the greatest and had actually really good relationships. I think. I think that's one of the keys to Kendra Santos is her relationship with champions has been a different level of relationship. And you see this in other sports. There's those journalists that those, those champions, those winners that we're going to talk about just have confidence in. And so, you know, I think she can share a a little bit on that, but you know, the, the quotes winners and Vince Lombardi, (laughs) this one, I love everybody's probably heard it. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Vince Lombardi, pretty cool. Bobby Knight says that the key is not the will to win. And these are different points that I think we're going to talk about. He says the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win that's important. I thought that one was great. And then I don't care what you people say. Kendra, I don't know. I I got a question. LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Who's the best basketball player ever? Kendra Santos?
2: I got to go with MJ.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, so here's a quote from MJ I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take that game winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life. And that's why I succeed. That's badass. That is just- it,
2: it, it is badass and by the way like the jake barnes and cleo brown cooper who owned team roping for you know seven gold buckles dream team they used to remind me in their heyday that they were lucky if they won 50 percent of the time a check so uh, losing is also something that crushes people and takes them out of our sport breaks their heart and they go away so go ahead
1: Getting through losing, I think, is part of that ingredient of a winner. But however, so I want to I did a little research on the psychology. They've done a lot of studies for these pro sports athletes, which applies for our champions in rodeo. And Paul Lyons with the Ambitions Group, I think, had one of the coolest ones. The first thing that I thought was interesting is one of the questions, why does winning feel so good? Well, it's actually scientific. It kicks out dopamine. You know, that's that's that. That feeling, that every you know, I love every sideline host. How does it feel to win? How many times are we gonna answer that same question? Come on, how does it feel to win? Well, my dopamine level is really high right now, and my left toe is tingling. I feel good. I feel good that I won. Okay, really, we don't care. Um, so, how, if, how, dopamine is kind of the scientific reason that you feel good. That's cool. It's a real, it's a real chemical in your body, and. Anyway, Paul Lyons says that there's four big things that mark scientifically that mark winners, and that's control, commitment, challenge, and confidence. And I'm going to go through these quickly, and then you can apply this to some of the athletes in rodeo, Kendra. I think this is going to really get your brain rolling. The first one's control, and they define control as self-esteem, interestingly, right? Self-confidence. And I'm going to read this real quick. If you are high on control... You have a good sense of who you are and what you stand for. You're comfortable in your own skin. You are also better able to control your emotions, meaning you're able to keep your anxieties in check and are less likely to be distracted by the emotions of others around you or the emotional state of the moment. Mm, Put that on your notes. You're going to like that one. So that's control. Then there's commitment. And I think that that one's cool. But commitment is your focus and reliability or consistency. That's what commitment is. And they say, what's your commitment? Well, it's about practicing to be perfect. And are you able to effectively set goals and targets and then reliably and consistently achieve them without being distracted? So that's commitment. Control and commitment scales together. Both of those things are together. And then you got the challenge. Challenge is your drive and adaptability, like Tough Cooper, right? You know, this drive um, and being able to adapt in the moment. You see challenges, change, adversity, and variety as an opportunity and not a threat. Let me repeat that. You see challenges, change, and adversity and variety as an opportunity and not as a threat. It's not an excuse not under threat these things and the last one I thought was interesting was confidence and confidence is your self-belief and influence it describes what you extend and how you believe you will perform on a consistent basis being high on confidence means that you have the self-belief to successfully complete on task that other individuals with similar ability but lower confidence don't think that they can do Again, confidence is two guys, same ability. One believes he can do it. The other one's not sure he can do it. Who wins on that? It's the guy with confidence. So I thought those were interesting, and I've, I I think it's a lot to think about. And so, Kendra, you know, if you want, I'll just go back and control self-esteem.
0: Well, um, uh,
2: uh, okay, So, so a lot of what you're talking about, it's all intertwined and interlinked. And you know, when every cowboy ever, you know, it's all about confidence. Well, that goes back to another component, you know, the preparation. And, and uh, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, learning to lose is part of playing at the highest level. And Trevor Brazil, the King said, if you're going to make it in professional rodeo, you have got to have a short memory. You cannot keep. The failure from last night cannot impact what you do at Slack this morning or, you know, it. it it's part of it. Like, Tuff Hedeman, no one hated to lose more than Tuff Hedeman. That was a huge motivator for him. So I will say this. I, I just spent a couple days in the Cowboy Capital in Stephenville, Texas. I, I had a lot of sit-down time with two of the winningest Cowboys of all time, Cody Ole and Oak berry Cody Ole, I, I went, sat with him in his living room. He showed me around his place in Heiko, Texas. That guy ran on adrenaline and emotion. You know, when it comes to winning, I mean, don't take it from us. We love to watch. But how about, you know, in the words of you know, one of the all-time greats, undeniably, Cody Ole. I mean, here's what he had to say about it.
0: I hated to lose so bad. So that was a biggest trait for me. I get dads and moms asking me all the time, like, what made you this? I want my kid to be you. I want this. I want that. I grew up playing tackle football in the second grade all the way through my senior year, you know, and people make excuses now that kids can't be a world champion unless they're homeschooled and this and that. I played sports my whole life. What made me was in seventh grade, I mean, like, all the years before that, I had such a structure of coaches and my dad roping coach and all that stuff made me who I was. But me already having success and a seventh grade football coach spitting in my face and me standing in four inches of water in my cleats, like I'm already a success. I mean, I'm already winning every age group I've ever even been in and, and age groups above me and, you know, I people all, like they just want to know why that. Kids can't be like some of us, and they don't get it was the way I was brought up, you know. I honestly think my coach was just in cahoots with my dad at some point, like, try to tear him down. Like, I don't think you can. Like, I, I honestly don't. I mean, he never phased me. He never done anything, but he created a monster telling me that only greats become world champions. I mean, you're just going to, you know, you're not even going to make it in rodeo, you know. Like, I, I don't know but that that's the stuff that drove me and then I was just glad that he lived long enough and he became one of my dearest friends and one of my dearest supporters and and just followed me you know and he's passed away now but it was just awesome for him to to witness what I went on and done when he was you know telling me all this stuff and yelling at me and grabbing me by the face mask so I, and I mean, nowadays, you know, mom and dad are up there at the school and hell, they're wanting to sue the superintendent. I mean, you're not creating those kind of champions anymore.
2: Winners are different to me. Like I have spent more time with people who win a lot naturally, you know, than anybody else. They, that's who you keep going back to for, for interviews or whatever. That's who I got to know the best. But like they have they have traits in common. And 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 I thought what Cody had and ando to say about this was were, were very interesting comments. Like O said, I would not take he would not take no for an answer. Like this is a guy who did not win one penny his rookie year, and he you know is is takes a job sharing a single wide trailer with no indoor plumbing with 14 guys poisoning prairie dogs in South Dakota on a government contract. Right. And, and all he does in that bed every night, can you imagine how badly this trailer stunk with 14 guys with no indoor plumbing? And he laid there and ran a run through his mind thousands of times. And then he came back as a, as a 20 year old when Cheyenne and his whole career, you know, changes or whatever. But, but what he says, he would not take no for an answer. And he overcame his weaknesses by outworking everybody and being more determined than anybody. And that Cody all same way. Trevor Brazil, Stetson Wright. Who do you want to talk about? They they share traits. Another thing I thought was interesting in talking to these two guys uh, randomly this week. They did not come from money or privilege. You know, some people want to say, "Oh, people had it handed to them." People used to try to say that about Trevor freaking Brazil, who drove a an old blue beat up rabbit car to, to high school, right? He came from nothing. And Cody Ole Oat Berry came from nothing. Cody Ole said his seventh grade football coach used to spit in his face and tell him how worthless he was and how much he sucked and how motivating that was. Buster Berry was very tough on Oat and it, it was either going to break him or make him. And he would he's like, I will I will prove him like he just gritted his teeth and was not broken. And it and it made him. But but it's interesting. There was a lot of adversity in most of, most of the paths to the very, very, you know, highest level. If, if they didn't get broken, they became tougher over, over adversity. Another thing that I have seen in common, you know, Ty Murray, Trevor Brazil, Casey Field, Roy Cooper, you know, they're never satisfied. Jake Barnes and Clay Cooper are in their 60s now. They're not rodeoing anymore. And do you know that they still go to the practice pen every single day trying to get better because that's the only way their mind can work? They never, status quo does not work for winners. They're never satisfied. They all, I promise you, Stetson Wright right now is trying to crack the code on how he can take it higher, 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 because he's never going to be satisfied with, I mean, he's, he's dominant, but he's never going to be satisfied. And that's part of the magic. That's part of the, you know, what makes him, that's where you start talking about, you know, Michael Jordans. They're never satisfied and they outwork everybody. There's a, Ty Murray used to talk to me about a lot of things, but one of them was Winners might be born with a lot of natural talent, but there comes a crossroads at some point for everyone when that's not enough. And you can be outworked and outgamed if you if you become complacent. And that goes for everyone. I don't care who you are. And the, the ultimate winners, the guys that become the kings, they, they have it all. Yes, of course they have some natural talent but they also, they will not be outworked. They, they believe it. I mean, they have the confidence. They, they work for more every day. It's like the mental mindset and the toughness that it takes to be the best. It might be more natural for others, but these guys are working. They're working it from every angle, every single day. That's the only path to greatness.
1: Yeah, I can, Well, I hear a couple things in what you're saying. I think this is all mixed together. I agree with that. And as I ponder what you said, some of the stuff conflicts each other. Um, Not your words, but I mean the theories. And that is there are people that lay there with 11 guys and rerun the specifics of that run over and over and over in their head. And then there are guys that, you know, if you're if you're supposed to forget all of that, you got to forget the losing run or ride.
2: but the but the so, run but but to be clear, the one run that oat ran through his head thousands of times was the one run from state finals in high school, Nebraska State High school finals where he put every fundamental that his dad had ever taught him. It was the one run that stuck out where it all came together and and he you know the catch how he slid the steer, staying up over his feet, all that kind of stuff came together. So that's the one run he ran through. They're not going to dwell. Yes, Trevor's going to say you need a short memory. You need a short memory of when you ran through the barrier for, you know, when you had a layup last night. That needs to be the short memory. But what you want to keep rolling through your head are the successes.
1: There was champions when I was in the PBR. In my tenure there, Ty Murray was there. Tough was there when we first started, but Ty Murray and Justin McBride was just starting. So I'm, you know, me, I'm more rough stock bull riding. And this is no kidding. We would be at the building getting ready for that night's performance. And there were, here comes another champion. His name is Adrian Marias. And it's 6.30 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. And Adriano comes in and says, Tommy Joe, I need to work out, work and out." And I said, well, you can go into the locker room. It's not done yet, but you can go in there. And he would go in there and do, I don't know, 77,000 crunches. and Unbelievable athlete. Unbelievable work ethic. Um, and the Brazilians have carried that on. Now, then, about an hour and a half later, I'm not going to mention it, but some of these other champions may have just come in. <laughs>
2: From from a
1: very long night, (laughs) right? And uh, not the least bit interested in doing any crunches, actually looking for the nearest bottle of aspirin um, and maybe another refreshment because someone said that you get rid of hangovers by continuing to have another. My point is if you look at Ty and, and some of these guys, they had a lot of natural talent. And I and, and you said it with Cody, kind of this spirit and adrenaline. And there are others. And I learned this from Trevor. So I went on tour with Trevor. And I don't know, it was before a show. And I'm like, Trevor, I need you to do this, this, and this. And he looked at me and said, no. <laughs> I mean, it was not a nice no either. It was no. I'm not doing that. I'm getting ready to win. So you've got a guy that is obviously getting into the zone, right? He's, he's studying the situation. He's replaying it in his head. He takes it very serious. So for me in listening to all this, I think the winners, and then I'll let you cap this off, but i don't know that there's add you know 3 cups of butter and 2 cups of shortening and this and this to make a pot of winners i think i think it has to do with your grit your want i think that's important i think you have to have some physical talent right now you know to do whatever it is that you're doing you now the physical talent required to be a bulldogger compared to um a different discipline in our sports different. And I do think that you have to have some level of practicing something that tunes you up, whatever that is. So I'm going to pitch it back to you for your kind of, we talked about a lot of stuff about winners win and we, and you know, but, and this goes into our personal lives by the way, right? We all do this on a personal basis daily. We might not be going for a gold buckle, but we're trying to, we're trying to do the right thing. So what's your magic if you had to boil all this down, Kendra, what's your magic ingredients, a couple of them, for, for a winner?
2: Oh, I think that, you know, the, a winner will not be denied. A winner has never met an excuse that he will live with. Um, yeah, the working out um, at one extreme, Adriana Marias, I was there when they when he and Paulo Cranber were, were swimming hundreds of laps and doing literally thousands of push-ups and sit-ups. And then you have J.B. Mooney, who drank, smoked, and I think joined the gym one time as a tax deduction, but never went the second time, or maybe never <laughs> went the first time, but, but you know what? They will not be denied. Winners are people, and, and so they, they come from all different, you know, all different, but what they share, they will not take no for an answer.
1: I agree with that. So what would be your advice to those guys now they're getting ready for the NFR? Okay. If we ponder what we just talked about and in your interviews with other rodeo athletes and stars along the way, what should a contestant be doing to get ready for the NFR?
2: If I was him, I would I would uh, beeline it for the some of the greatest ever's, especially guys who really rose to the occasion to shine at the Thomas and Mack, and that's that's who I'd go go ask for advice. Yeah, I'd watch a I lot would, of tape, and I would ask for expert opinions in what it is you're trying to get done.
1: Yeah, I would practice. I would listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen to what the greats say read. And it can be cross. It doesn't just necessarily because if you look at these sports athletes and Cowboys, these starts, they all have a lot in common, right? There's heartbreak. There's playing games in your own head. There's not me- living up to your own expectations. But winners, we will see. Now, some winners win briefly. They're a flash in the pan. But I think what we're defining winners are is those people that set, set a standard that they expect to meet long-term because we've Great. all seen these guys that jump in and not, i'm not taking anything away from these guys that win a go buckle they're very talented in that moment the ball bounced in their way that happens in sports all the time there's there's sometimes the greatest team doesn't win because because you have to it has to be in the moment so but we when we define winners we're talking about these people that have a winning attitude that are good examples for the youth, and that lift the bar in our sport. Would you agree?
2: The greats, the greats, and 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 as for NFR preparation, very vitally important factors. Also, if you're if you're a roughside cowboy or a time enter, if you're sore, if you're hurt, if you're Jesse Brown, maybe making a thousand practice runs between now and Vegas is not your best plan. Maybe right. rehabbing that knee that you hurt at Pendleton is a better idea. Making you know and having your body not beat up before you go into the first round, very important. And and in the timed events, especially for these first time guys who haven't been in that building, how you prepare your horses is vitally important because if, if you, if you're a header and you can't dally on the first night, it is going to be one hell of a long week. So some of the smart money learned by some of the greats over time is you're better off. You might make some runs on a practice horse in a Thomas and Mac dimensions arena for yourself, but you better have your horse maybe a little bit freed up to make your job a lot easier when you're actually running one for money.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good, I agree. I agree with that. So uh, to close out today, I've got a challenge for our no spinners, okay? Give us a text. Remember that text line is 817-668-2395. Who in your opinion is, shines as one of the greatest winners that we've talked about in our sport? In your opinion, send us a note. We'll do a brief little poll. We'll talk about it on our next next podcast. The greatest of greats from professional rodeo. Who is that in your book? Uh, Just send one. Kendra, I think that'd be interesting. Uh, what our listeners think, who they think are the greatest. You know, for me, there's a bunch, but I probably have to say, well, I'll save it. I'm going to save it. We're going to save that for when we do the poll, who I think is the greatest. Maybe you should save your greatest too. Any final thoughts today? Winners win. Winners win. Well, on behalf of Kendra Santos, I'm Tommy Joe Lucia, Greg Teagarden in the control room. Thank you for setting aside time to listen to us. We are very humbled by you being here. Thanks for being a no spinner. And we'll see you in a couple weeks with episode number five of No Spin Radio.